Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Daniel Gale. He's the director of Denzel Patrick. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Um, my very first question is, uh, could you please introduce yourself and, uh, and come back on your pathway? Um, where are you from? Where, where you grew up? Uh, uh, what did you do before starting the brand and, uh, and, and everything else? And we'll try to, to dig into it. Sure. Sure thing. Okay. Well, thank you for having me first and foremost. Um, and yeah, so my name, as you said, is Daniel Gale. I'm the director and founder of Denzel Patrick. Um, I'm born and bred in South East London. Um, I am, my grandparents on my mother's side are Irish and my grandparents on my father's side are Jamaican. So I am ultimately mixed race and this, which, you know, we'll probably come to later on is really the founding of Denzel Patrick from a, from a, from an essence and communication and community point of view. It's, it's really, what the, the brand kind of stands for. But in terms of my, uh, my history, I started, I actually started life as a dancer, which is a very interesting and different start, but that's where we were. And I then, after working for a few years, I found myself obviously wanting to just pursue this, this dream of mine in fashion. So I worked up, I did the night classes, the, 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 the day classes, the weekend classes, the internships. And I found myself with a job at Jonathan Saunders uh, many years ago. This is a London-based print designer. And this really was, I guess, my, I guess, I always think, it, my, I guess my baptism is almost the word. It was just the most wonderful experience working for this really uh, energetic and youthful and intense and crazy young brand. We, we had, Jonathan has huge ambitions and the studio and anyone involved was, was really there to be part of that. So that was, I was working with them for uh, three or four years and that was really just, just a wonderful, and it really had, it kind of gave me an, a great understanding of color and print and textiles. That was really Jonathan's kind of uh, forte. Um, and I was lucky enough to spend some time there learning that. Uh, from there, I went to work with Victoria Beckham, um, with the, at the beginning of her, uh, the, the launch of the brand, I guess, which was again another new and interesting experience working with such a high profile individual, but also at the very, very beginning of a, of the birth of a project. And I was there for six years working with Victoria. I worked on both lines at the time. There was the ready to wear line and then the VVB, uh, kind of sister line, if you like, which was very, very interesting. And, uh, we did lots of great work. We were able to collaborate with lots of different photographers. And again, I was able to use lots of the skills I picked up previously to kind of experiment a little bit on the, on the, on the VVB line, which is where we were kind of permitted to have a bit more fun and experiment, if you like. Uh, from there, I 
I, um, I took an opportunity in New York. I went to work with uh, 3-1 Philip Lim, which was, again, another experience, a very different experience. It was uh, New York has a different pace to London, um, a different energy, which I thrived on. Uh, and Philip, was the, at the time, the brand, my role covered uh, the, the studio direction of both menswear, womenswear, and the accessories. So it was a huge task. Um, lots of lots of learning. And again, it, you know, as, as I'm sure everyone here knows that the, the business kind of directives and opportunities are very different in North America when you compare it with, say, Europe and, and, and then again with Asia and so on. So it was a real, it was another sense of how the, how this business of fashion is able to operate. Uh, and from there, I came back to London for a while, a few years and did some consultancies. And then most recently, an opportunity came up with Kenzo in Paris. And of course, trying to tick, tick off the boxes of working across the fashion capitals. I took that opportunity and yeah, I, I kind of, I joined the team with um, Carolyn Umberto Lim, who'd been there for some time at that, at that stage. Um, and actually after my first season with them, which was just wonderful, the, the, the creative direction changed and Felipe Olivier Baptista joined the company. So I then shift with, with Felipe and his team, and I worked under Felipe's direction for some time until I started Denzel Patrick. I hope that was concise enough. <laughs> that's that's the history so far. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for explaining us your your pathway. Um, my my very first question is. Um why did you want to start your own brand? And uh, how did you put this, uh, this together, all your previous experience as a dancer, uh, your experiences as a designer uh, accompanying uh, um, ones of the, of, the, of the best designer of, of, uh, of our time? Um, can you explain us this process of starting this, uh, this new adventure? Sure. Uh, I guess, so really, I guess I started, my, the reason that I started the brand uh, was I guess I've been doing working in you know across those companies I just described to you and various other kind of freelance and consultancy gigs, which uh, I I won't list because we'll be here all day. But I just I felt like it, the next step naturally was to to try and execute something of my own. You know the role that I've kind of taken for so many years has has been and I've enjoyed it very much. But it's always been a support role. It's always been to to execute the ideas of of others which i've has been thrilling and I've, I've taken so much from but it really felt i guess you know obviously uh we're we're in a well, almost in a post pandemic moment now but for, for sure when this moment came about i had just uh i had just kind of stepped down from my position at kenzo and so obviously was in a in a in a reflective headspace and and then we we went into into the initial lockdown you know so it, I just had time and, and space to do it. And of the, the ideas just kept were bubbling to the surface. And I kind of started workshopping and kind of putting things together. And it just seemed, it became very clear. And it, the interesting thing is, I don't know. I, I do wonder if, if, if we didn't experience this, 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 this awful pandemic, if things would have worked out differently because there may have been other, other things that would have jumped in the way or kind of would have taken on a different pathway. But, Essentially, I've, for the first time in 15 years, I had the space, both physically and mentally, to to kind of allow all those ideas to, ideas to surface and bubble, and they really very very quickly started to formulate. And so, yeah, started that process, and and then of course, you, I can't ignore what I'd learned over the 15 years, both 
both in terms of you know building collections, ideas, what my point of view is, what I want to say, but also you know things that I didn't always think were done correctly and things that I'd always said to myself, oh, you know, if I ever have my own business, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to do it differently. So it was time to kind of, um, it was time to kind of prove that to myself, if you like, and, 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 and really, and sort of say to myself, okay, in front of me is a blank sheet of paper. I'm going to, I'm going to start this from the top, both creatively and in terms of how we structure things, how we put things in place, the pace at which we work and the speed at which we work. Um, and that was really something, again, all of managing teams, you know, managing teams of up to 35 people and more at some points. It was, it was acutely, I was acutely aware of just what it would take to, to deliver like a great collection and to all those needs, but also in a way that was, you know, we use this word a lot, but sustainable in a way that kind of gave, that that, that they gave back to a company and, and, and the people people working in it so you mentioned there how did how did uh my dance experience um come into play i guess what i would say is it was a the discipline the discipline because you know uh, we at, at college we, we started the day started at eight and we finished at six and i worked an evening job and weekend jobs to pay my fees and, and you know ballet class at eight in the morning it, it takes some dedication and discipline so I would say, I mean, not only in terms of the creative, which is a you know a very obvious point, but the creative exploration that you go through when when working in this way definitely lent into that. But I also I, I'd like to sort of say that yes, kind of the self discipline required to kind of to to, to to drive that career was really added to this experience. You know, as a as a founder and director of a business, but also you know I'm I am the hands that and and the, and the mind today that's kind of uh, putting this whole project together. So it. It, you have to push through, you know, there's, there's, there's challenges and it requires some discipline just to keep on going. Mm, I hope that mm. answered your question. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, I guess starting a business in fashion today is one of the most difficult thing ever. Uh, I'm sure people are telling you you are completely crazy to start a fashion brand uh, at this time of, uh, of, of, of the history because of uh, this, this new model, this sustainability, this uh, overproduction, etc., etc. Um, taking the, the, um, into account uh, what's going on right now and the, and the era we are living in, um, how did you how did you design this this brand in terms of um, of uh, creative direction, but also in terms of of model? Uh, um, how do you work? Uh, are you into wholesale? You are direct to consumer. You are how do you how do you how do you yeah name yourself? Are you a, D, a, a DNVB? Yeah. Um, are you a creative brand? This is this kind of question I want to 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 dig into. Yeah, actually, it's that's a really good question, and I would. Um I'm going to be very annoying and answer. It was, it's all of those things, but actually in, in more detail, I guess the, it's certainly a creative brand. Like we really are a, a, a hub for experimentation in, in a way, trying, and that's, you know, I've, again, being the organizing businesses and, and, and studios and calendars and all these elements in, for the last sort of 10, 15 years, it, I'm acutely aware of like the timeline and what's required and, and obviously also sometimes how little time and space there is for experimentation and creativity when obviously there's just need for product and deliveries and drops and these things. So 
first first and foremost it was to to make sure that we always had enough time and space to develop and create so to kind of remove myself from this kind of four season calendar and you know collect our first collection isn't spring summer autumn winter it's just collection one and there's and you know the wardrobe today uh and i'm sure there's lots of merchandisers out there that would disagree with me but the wardrobe people wear clothes as they want to wear them i, I don't not that i don't believe in seasons because of course you need things for certain times of the year but you know, people wear clothes in their own way now. And I'm just trying to, I felt like rather than trying to fit into very specific commercial needs, we wanted to just offer a range of product for sure in being relevant to the time of year. So making sure we've got enough light things and so on and so forth when we're in that spring summer mode, when people are thinking about shopping that way. And then when we put some heavier pieces when it's cold, but I'm not intending to deliver an autumn winter drop of, 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 of the dune and, 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 and heavy wall coats in in uh in august or july when most of the winter drops arrive when actually no one's really certainly in the climate where i live in london and when i was in paris and it's not really really getting cold now until december january so why don't we just why don't we just offer it then and keep it exciting then rather than so uh, there was that thinking for sure and also the we uh, the, the idea in terms of the um the, the brand building we today we're just and for this collection one, we're just direct to consumer. And, and actually, the, so we built a great website, worked with some wonderful people, made, made some really exciting imagery. But the idea really behind that was it was twofold. Firstly, just because it, you know, gave us the opportunity to, to kind of, uh, to manage things closer. We obviously a new company. Yes, I know many things I've learned over the years, but there's also lots of things I don't know, which I'm sure I'm going to learn through this process. And the second reason was, Lots of the parts of the collection, there's lots of handmade things. There's lots of things that are very slow to make. There's lots of things that don't necessarily lend themselves to, uh, to the, to the, the, the traditional timeline. And also there's lots of things that we were experimenting on with lots of upcycling and repurposing. I know all too well the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 you know, the delivery windows for stores and obviously the, uh, the, the, the QC quality control. And that's something we wanted to, that was obviously a, stand, a given that we would maintain this. But I guess with, with all of these new practices and kind of new systems that I was setting up, we really are trying some brand new things here with how we repurpose. And I mean, other people are definitely doing wonderful work with this, but in the studio where we are, the idea really was to just give ourselves this first collection for trial and error to see if we can actually uh, industrialize some of these systems that we were trying to take, uh, you know, take found knitwear and found pieces and recut them and repurpose them and dye them and print them. And so, I mean, it's been actually, the funny thing is it's been very, very successful and we probably could have gone to wholesale directly with this first collection. And, but, irrespective of that yeah so for, we are looking to get wholesale partners of course because as a business we need to grow you know i would love to kind of get some more support in the studio and to do that we would need to increase our, our sales but it's also just doing it you know considerately I, i'm not trying to to, to 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 create thousands of thousands of units the very the fundamental point of this brand is is to create meaningful pieces that that, that people can kind of covet and share and so each one of those has a story. I, I won't go through them with you today because we'll be here for hours. But yeah, so really the idea was collection one, go slowly, and then we're going to see how things, things things pan out for sure. Cool. Um, over the last few years, uh, talking with uh, a lot of um, people in the industry, I realized that 
being sustainable, there is, there is several definitions of, uh, of, of being a sustainable brand. Um, what is your definition of, uh, of sustainability? Uh, how, do you, how do you make sure you are, you are at the maximum uh, of, of, uh, of, of, um, in terms of sustainability um, in, in your brand? That's, that's a, again, a really good question. I think, you know, yeah. for me, for me, for, for, for me and us here at Denzel Patrick, um, the, 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 it's, 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 it's complex, of course, and I'm sure it's, a, it's the same for many people, but of course, first and foremost, of course, it means the way in which we're sourcing, of course. So let's think about that for a second. How can we make sure that we are doing the best we can with the materials that we're, we're using to create because of course as, as we know that's one of the biggest issues that we're, we have to contend with and so first and foremost we, we, we kind of put a few credentials and a, and a like almost a manifesto together to kind of something like a baseline that we want to adhere to as we as we as we navigate this this launch and and the seasons to come and that is we with any um We, we, we're sourcing lots of uh, surplus fabric stocks across different suppliers. Um, there's a. Do you mind if I quote a few, or is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, please, yeah. please, please. So we yeah. work. I have. There's just a, a wonderful, wonderful fabric agent in in London here called Andrew Moss that I've worked with since the beginning of my career, and he and I went to him and you know just said this is my mission, and 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 if you think about it, in many ways, it's almost the antithesis of what what this is about. He his his business is to is to, 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 you know, to, to sell more fabrics and to create more, uh, more work across his, 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 uh, database. But in fact, he's, he's very contemporary and has a, and understood this and, and all of his mills now because the mills are shifting and changing. And of course, we still need new and innovative fabrics. We don't need just a, a constant supply of surplus stock, but the reality is that is there. So it's about finding a balance between the two. So with Andrew, he introduced me to a wonderful, um, supplier called Fabric House and these guys, What they do essentially is go around to the mills across Europe and just collect up loads of leftover fabrics, in essence. And they have a huge infrastructure that allows them to kind of cater to, to, to all business sizes and models. So they have, you know, thousands upon thousands of certain qualities and other things they have, you can buy up to just one meter. So it really is a, a very, and they've, I believe they've got a very, very kind of modern and, uh, quite, uh, sky fire, um, Uh, uh, warehouse. So these guys, I, from them, I, I kind of buy lots of the fabric. And so with those, you have to understand your numbers at the beginning. So it's again, it's understanding when you put something in, what you can, what you can make in the end. You know, where, this isn't an endless. I can't just make thousands and thousands of them. Should customers want that? That's not the point. We 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 design knowing what our final number is. So it really allows us to kind of create either special pieces or things that are more simplified. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, we are using, there are new fabrics. We, I work with, a, a printers in Italy, Achille Pinto with them. I'm using a, um, a recycled, uh, recycled polyester, um, which is, a, you know, in essence, a virgin fabric, but made from recycled materials. It's certified. I know I've, uh, I'm, I'm aware that there are concerns and, and, and a few opinions around the use of recycled polyester and, And its origins, and, and and of course, I have no doubt that the, this is a conversation that we kind of have to continue to have. But I guess you, what we can only do today is be really honest and transparent, and say these are our intentions, and and hope as this as the, as the rhythm builds up across these things that we we do there is very clear and honest uh, production. I, I, I'm assured that, that the mills I'm working with, having worked with them for 15 years, are sourcing and creating in the best way. Um, Also working with a with a, a, another printer's called uh, Lisa, and they've got Gotts Cotton, you know. And this is another uh, 
not uh, not issue, but is it another uh, discussion point because I, I'm well aware of the GOT certification requires you to um, obviously re- requires a complete uh, a certification of the of the supply chain, you know, from from farm. To, 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 to warehouse, if you like. And I think that's brilliant. But of course, today as a new startup business, just having very few hands in, we don't necessarily have the infrastructure today to, to, to be able to execute the full breadth of that certification. I've visited the factories. I've visited the warehouse. I'm, I am confident that, that everything is being done in the best way possible. But of course, so what, what we're doing with our GOTS cotton, I'm, I'm making the customer aware that it's, that it's, uh, it's GOTS from, from a from a fabric uh, sourcing and weaving and printing point of view, but we're not putting the label on because we're not ready for that certification today. We don't have the infrastructure to. But, so I, I think, and this is what I'm saying: is when you ask me how how are we navigating that with the best of intention, I guess Adrian is how we're doing it, being really transparent. We use our website and Instagram and social media accounts to be really clear and transparent with the customer. Where there's there's a contact emails and numbers should anybody have questions and want a little more information about the provenance. Um, but I think that's the best thing. Not not that it's one of the best things that we can do is to ensure that we're we're saying these are the the, the steps we're taking, uh, and and also we're open to be challenged and questioned and and uh, and see how we can improve. And I think we could do. I, I know I could do ten times more, but we just we would need ten ten more pairs of hands to do so. So this these things will just come with time, I believe. Um, and and really the the other part. I guess it's kind of like a twofold. So, of course, whilst thinking about uh, sourcing sustainably, and, and I could, if, if I could go on, I have much more information I could share on that. But the other point I really want to make about the sustainability of the brand, and this is something I did take up after, you know, my my, my 15 years working in, in in the industry so far, is it's about sustaining ourselves uh, in addition to in addition to the resources, of course. And I say that because I've, I've, I've worked in really challenging circumstances and produce and, you know, making more collections, working, you know, working very long days and very long weeks to deliver more and more product and more and more ideas and more capsules and drops and collections. And, and of course, you know, whilst when employed to do so, that's my job and myself and the teams did it with the best of intention, but it wasn't, I would say that wasn't always sustainable, you know? And so really a pledge that we've made, I've made to, to myself and to anybody who wants to be part of our community is that not only are we, 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 we working tirelessly to, 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 to make these clothes, make these covetable, you know, items that we want people to, to cherish and collect and share rather than think of as being a moment, um, in, in, in their, in their lives or wardrobes. We also want to make sure that we can sustain ourselves and sustain the business and so that's about taking like i said before taking things slowly being considerate not looking for a quick win but more about building a rhythm and a community and an understanding of of the bigger picture that for me is as important as as the the um the the sourcing of 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 good transparent and uh clean materials does does that answer your question in any way yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got another question for you. Um, you know, when it comes to building a business, um, building a sustainable business in terms of finance and in terms of sustainability as well, there's always um, um, a, a, not an issue, but uh, um, a topic about ambition. Um, starting a business, I guess when you start a business, you want to, to, to grow something quite uh, 
quite small or quite big. Uh, um, and I, I would like to have your, your opinion on this. You know, where do you want to bring this uh, to, 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 yeah, to bring this brand? Uh, what is, what is your ambition, uh, your objectives? Uh, and oh, And how much is, is, uh, is your sustainability uh, part of this business is ambitious as well? Um, when we talk with uh, Patagonia guys, you know, their mission is to save the world. Uh, us, as, as a young brand, as a small brand, where we should put our ambition when it comes to sustainability and when it comes to business as well? That's a, that's a good point. I guess, you know, I guess where... Where I'm at with that, my, when I actually, when I started Denzel Patrick, uh, and actually it's still very much this today, of course, today I have, the reality is that we, the business is now moving and functioning. So it's less, uh, I, I, there's a little less time for kind of open-ended thinking. But when I started, it was really, I was really thinking of Denzel Patrick as a kind of lab, if that makes sense, as a, as a workshop, as a kind of, as a practice, because what I really wanted, and in fact, and I still want it today, but you know, There's only so many things we, we can. There's only so many fi uh, fights we can we can we can take on in one day. But what I really wanted, actually, based on my learnings again from my my uh, my roles inside other companies, was I kind of thought I would love to 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 create and demonstrate a best practice, a way of working in which we can create new ideas, innovative ideas, relevant ideas. You know, things that still kind of that 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 hum and vibrate with contemporary uh, ideas today. Like we, we could sit alongside our, our peers, but I, the idea was to create a lab that, and so almost a framework that, that, that I could almost then share with our larger companies that understandably, you know, we're, we're talking about companies that have millions, uh, hundreds of millions of uh, euro and pound turnover and dollar even. And I, so I understand that sometimes it is hard to pick that apart and it is hard to make those shifts and changes. I've been inside those companies. I know it's not easy to do that because there's, there's, there's lots of other things to consider. Of course, what I'm doing today, in a way, it's almost easier because I'm creating it from the ground up. So when I started, the idea... And it's, it's something I still want to do and, 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 and talking about it here with you and in other ways is we're going to get, get there. But it was to create a, a best practice that we could then share with other companies and say, hey, listen, of course, there's still in one sense, you still, of course, you need to build your runway, you need to build the collection. And we, we still need that hub of ideas. It's still so important to have that, that clean and very pure uh, practice to, to, to arrive at new ideas. But of course, as we know, the stores and, and the market, you know, the market does and I the market does re require and ask for more ideas and more products. You know, these are global industries. So for me, it was more like sort of saying, okay, let's, why don't we just break these things down and look at them in different sections? So of course we still need that, that top tier innovation and we still need our mills and suppliers to, to, to think of new products and, and to weave new ideas. And, and we, I don't think the idea is to get rid of any of those things. Of course, we need to think about them better and, and, and make them more efficient and with less waste. But on top of that, I, I, it just it occurred to me that, You know, when, when, when there's, when there's needs for a capsules or drops and these things, which of course, that's how the market's responding today. People kind of want that excitement. But I think there's definitely new ways to think about that. I don't think we need to look at the old way of creating clothes and collections for these, for, 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 for the, for the other tiers of the business. And that's why coming in here, like, you know, I've, for example, one part of my, um, one, one capsule we've got coming up later on this summer is, is repurposing a British RAF shirt. So, you know, it, It, very simple. We, 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 
we managed to source the, uh, the the raw materials. We're given these up with a supply we found in the north of England. We have boxes of these shirts, and we, they 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 need they need a new life, you know. And they're in so it's an in, it's it's a it's a decided number. We know how many we're working with, and the challenge is is to to, to find ways with the materials that we have around us is to to bring to bring newness. So I, I think. Yeah, my, my, sorry, I'm coming full circle here. My objective was really to, 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 I, I don't intend to, to, to have this be, uh, a trillion euro business. I intend for it to, to be sustainable, you know, for us to be able to make and produce enough moments and, and ideas and, and, and pieces to, to give back to the business to keep us going, but also to see this as a, as a, as a hub of, ideas where we can try on new and different ways of kind of using up existing materials thinking differently about the way that we do use new materials it's 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 really it's really that and i understand today that those are challenges that larger businesses have because of the rhythm and the pace at which they're working does that mm. does that make sense Adrian? does that answer your question yeah definitely thank you so much for your answer um so my question is was about uh denim i would like to know uh how you tackle this material and how you decided to work with this material uh at denzel patrick okay, okay. uh yeah so actually the well we work with denim in uh in, in with two processes actually the first uh is with a wonderful wonderful family-run factory in italy Uh, that I've worked with for on a few projects previously uh, for over the years. And so the idea there was, of course, as, as we know very well about the impact of denim uh, on the environment and the, of course, the, um, the very, very, you know, the water waste, the, 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 the water pollution and so on and so forth. So I guess it, it was, it was a tricky one. I kind of thought uh, to begin with, I, I was apprehensive about, actually tackling it to start with and then i thought well no if we, if we really lean into this and think about it as a lab and a conversation point um i think it, it's, it's almost better that we start thinking and getting people to to kind of have a point of view on on this and certainly on, on what we're producing so the idea here was really just to and having visited the uh the mills for so many years um this just the most insane stocks of fabrics you know of course because the, the nature of ordering for very large customers is that there's always a 5% or 10% tolerance. You know, there's always this excess that comes with, with orders. And then of course, after you've ordered, if there's a few canceled, a few canceled styles, lo and behold, you have, you have more fabric. So the firstly, I didn't with the business, the size of Denzel Patrick today and, and our intention in terms of the market, there was absolutely no need to order and any new denim. So no weaving, no dyeing. There was enough, I believe there was enough in this warehouse for us to service this season and the seasons to come. And also to kind of lean into the idea of it being more collectible and covetable, of course, because it's not that we're going to find ourselves with one standard quality denim and just run it for, for, for 10 years. That's, it's the very opposite of that, that we would, we have a style, we have a shape. And of course we, we edit and we, we make a good selection. You know, we're not just picking anything. There's a huge library there. So the idea was with denim was to, was to create from this surplus stock all of our hardware and the, the threads are all recycled, uh, threads from, from Guterman. The hardware is all nickel free with no washing and no treatments, just all, all, all raw. So we, again, to try and reduce the water waste in creating that. But the main point, I guess, was that we didn't want to wash the denim. So that was a really, really important uh, aspect. We, we weren't going to put in any heavy processing, any sandblasting and so on and so forth. That we were just wanted 
to deliver the denim to the customer and then also to give the customer information and say, listen, A, this is what we've done. So lo and behold, you, as we know, when we all buy a pair of new kind of raw jeans, quite often there's a, you need to give them either a rinse or a wash and there's always a bit of color transfer. But also from a creative standpoint, I just thought they looked nicer. Like personally, I always prefer jeans, the way that they wash down as you wear them. They're kind of more individualistic. They kind of fit to the wearer. They, you know, I see loads of kids at the moment wearing their, with their jeans, with the kind of the, the rubbing of their iPhone. Uh, you have the kind of the imprint of the iPhone in the front or back pocket. And we just wanted to give space for the, for the wearer to make them their own. So no pre-washing, no, no designs with whiskers and, and these things. Just a very clean, but a really strong shape. Uh, and the shape is obviously our point of view. We've, we've We've we really developed a very specific style there. Um, but like I say, it's more in addition to just delivering the product. We, they obviously arrive with swing ticket with lots of information, you know, encouraging the customer to, as we all know, to, to wash their denim as, as little as possible because it always it, it wears better that way. But when they do, to, to either use um, color catchers, you know, these things, and it's a kind of a product that we link through onto the website where any runoff can just be caught not only to save any other clothes should you want to wash it that way, but also to stop the color running into the, into the waterways. So yeah, th- that was the initial, the initial take on, on denim. And then the other take was, of course, the, we have, uh, which we just featured in a, in a music video, actually, we had a very exciting moment for us, but we have some upcycled, uh, denim, which we saw there's just so much of it, right? Like we all know this is not only get this really cool vintage denim. There's loads of stores around the world where you can go and buy great fits. And so, but actually, in addition to all of those, there's, there's lots of pieces that, that, that aren't, that aren't perfect and that, you know, that, so that they're not really good enough to go into those, those, those stores today and kind of have this hand cherry picked kind of, uh, vintage pieces. There's, there's all of that stock that still needs some love and it still has, it's still great shape. It's still a great quality. It still has a wonderful kind of color to it after years and years of, of wear. So the idea was that was to try and to, to pick those out and kind of offer those to the market. And we did that through. So obviously we took them, we did some repair to kind of clean up any holes or tears. Um, we, re- we removed and recycled all of the existing hardware and applied our new, uh, nickel free unwashed hardware. And we've got these vegan back patches, the Jacron that we've been, we developed. Uh, and then just to kind of, to give them a, a sense of ownership and, and a really exciting new reason to be as such, we, we printed them. So we found a, a wonderful supplier and also in Italy, in fact, who are able to garment print on top of finished denim so yeah we did for the for the first season we've got this great diamond print that we worked into the collection so we've they come in multiple colors and they're great they, they just become a brand new idea of denim you know and it's it's of course it's still quite niche it's not for everyone and that speaks also speaks to what we're doing with denzel patrick we we're, we're trying to keep things quite i guess just as special you know there's this in these special pieces that you would want to collect and and there's a reason to buy them so yeah, and that's, I'll, I'll tell you, that's also a process. Sourcing, um, I have been on many weekends, been up to my neck in, in containers of denim kind of going through as part of the sorting process. And it does take a lot more, you know, it's not, it's definitely not as easy as just, in fact, if this makes any sense, Adrian, it would be easier for us to just make from scratch this very end product. Do you know what I mean? We could, it would, I could, I could sit and do a tech pack and send it to a factory and create exactly what we've ended up with, but just using new materials and which of course just doesn't serve the point. So for sure, like, and so these are the steps I was, I was referring to before where we just wanted to kind of refine those for first season and understand really 
how much time is required, how efficient or non-efficient that process is. And actually, it was very efficient. Um, I mean, yeah, we've, we've managed to find a great supplier who can who can keep us who can keep us going with this with this uh, upcycled denim. Of course. Um, speaking about your your clients, uh, I would like to know who are your clients and how they receive this, uh, and why are they attracted by your um, by your by your by your brand, by the way you are doing things, how they are reacting to everything you do in terms of sustainability, in terms of fashion, etc. Um, that would be my last question before moving to the to the quick rapid fire question uh, part. Okay. Um, I guess, well, but what's exciting is we're, we're really still discovering the customer, you know. Uh, it's, it's so varied. And, and, and even for, for, for me, I'm always still surprised by, by the, I guess, the locations. You know, we've had, we've had sales around the world, which has been exciting for sure. Like, and, and obviously, I've kind of, I, I, I've, I've, I arrived at this with quite a humble beginning. I kind of just, you know, the very first sale blew me away. I couldn't believe we sold one thing, you know, one of those things. And so since then, it's just, It's just been more and more exciting, and to see the the cross section. Both, you know, we are a menswear brand, but we, we, you know, the way people dress today is it is more fluid. And so we, you know, in our lookbook, we featured some of the pieces on a girl because I felt like it could it could definitely appeal to that. And so we have had female customers, we've had male customers, we've got customers in Japan, in North America, in Europe, of course, in the UK. And I think, but I think one thing that does tie them all together, probably two things. Certainly, the sustainability because. I think lots of those customers have come back with questions about some of the sourcing parts, which has been really exciting to be challenged and to answer those, but also very much the idea that what we're creating are kind of quite individual and special pieces. So this, they're kind of, they're hearing the message about, uh, this is an item that you, you're buying to, to kind of own and to covet and to eventually share, maybe pass it to, a, to, 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 to your, to your kids or to a friend or to, you know, the, the idea that this, It's just a very much a, a one-off piece. We are, we are pretty much the collection is the nature of the making of lots of these pieces. But it's about 50% one-offs, if you like. You know, there's, there are some things that are industrially produced in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very, very clear and transparent way. But there are, yeah, 50% are made in ateliers and workshops and studios around, up and around the UK and, and in, in Italy and, and, and in Europe. And then, but they're done, you know, one at a time. So whilst, you know, we have disclaimers and these things that, that, that I became all too familiar with in previous lives where you have to explain to the customer, please don't panic. You know, you will see differences between this garment and the one next to it on the rail, you know, all this kind of thing. And I'm actually trying to celebrate that. I'm saying to you, like, that's the very reason to come and buy it. It's, it's not going to look like the other one because each one of these pieces is made by hand by one or two people. And I think that's what, uh, So far, our customers are really responding to the idea that they have something kind of touched by the hand and it has a more emotional connection. Of course. Great. So cool. Um, so let's move to the quick rapid fire question. Um, what do okay. you want to close the door uh, to in our industry? Ooh. Uh, I want to try and close the door to the... Um, the excess ordering this kind of this idea of, of of just filling of filling the gaps you know uh this just uh, quite often again in, in previous lives i've seen a lots of um you know selling and ordering not only manufacturing lots of excess to, to meet the minimums and to hit the good numbers to get the good make price but of course 
you just you're always left with 10 or 15% stock that nobody needs you know um and I, of course from a maths point of view i understand all of those numbers but it just it just always shocked me to see that all of these items and these clothes and these pieces made with no intention and i just think that that could be something we we still need to make clothes people want clothes it's it's such an exciting thing you know it makes people feel great i just don't think we need to consciously make the pieces that we don't intend to do anything with that's that's something that i think i'd i'd like to see a shift on Okay. Um, where do you look at to get inspired? Um, do you look at in any other industry, um, and how do you stay ahead of the game in your in the in the in this fashion industry? Um, I guess I look. I mean, I'm, I look. I'm obsessed with you know with architecture, with textiles, um, photography. You know, but I'm also I guess in terms of me personally and and Denzel Patrick. It's a very, very personal journey. So I spend, I'm, it, it, I spend a lot of time, kind of, I guess, looking through. I mean, certainly old photo albums. I'm obsessed with the clothes that my parents wore and and the, the, that their parents wore, and and but also just everything that's around me. Southeast London is such a, it's just such a melting pot of so many different cultures and religions and people and 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 walks of life it's, it's it's really rich and so i spend a lot of time just actually just snapping people and things on my iphone and and kind of embracing uh, all that is around me actually and I, i feel like that is my quite unique point of view i mean i, c I could tell you about my my obsession with uh with ettore success and you know 80s memphis uh the, the memphis movement but ultimately it really it just comes from something much more personal for me it's just it's, it's just about kind of the clothes i see people wearing and how we kind of rethink about those and how we could re repurpose them and, and, and recolor them almost it's a yeah so I, i look quite quite close to home rather than too far away i hope that makes sense all right <laughs> uh yeah definitely what is the last piece of clothes you bought Uh, the last piece of clothing I bought was a um, was a leather jacket that I got from. Um, there is a um, uh, a clothing uh, sorting, uh, I guess, warehouse not far from my studio where we go to buy lots of our surplus um, uh, jersey and fleece and so on, uh, the garments that we we cut up and repurpose. And on on a one particular trip, I was uh, again knee deep in lots of this clothing, and I discovered this little gem. Um, obviously, it's it, it's it's old. It, it feels like it's from the late seventies, um, and it was it was ridiculously cheap considering how wonderful it is. Uh, so that was the last piece of clothing I bought. All right, and uh, last but not least, who is the person you would like to listen to in this podcast? I guess I would like to listen to. Uh, I guess um, you know one. I guess maybe one of the one of the CEOs of like the really of one of the big brands. I, I won't. I guess I won't name names because it's not a, not a pointing fingers. But I'd love for someone to be from from one of the big companies to be brave enough to come in and 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 share and and, sh and share like the, the the real intentions and uh, and and how they kind of see and how they see their company or the brand or the group or whoever it is that they're taking care of shifting and being ready for the next 50 years. You know, we've got a lot of work to do. So I'd love to hear what they've got to say on that. All right. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Take care and good luck for, for Denzel Patrick. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. 
If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. 